Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? A podcast where every week we look at a certain claim that has been made on social media, in the news, or something picked up in a casual conversation and go down the rabbit hole. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 14 for Thursday, June 4th, 2020. And what a week it has been. There is this one topic that dominates everything, and it is simply too hard to ignore. I am, of course, talking about all the protests against the police violence and racism in the United States. Several people in the podcast movement are suggesting to skip episodes this week completely. And I was thinking about it. But then I also thought, why not talk about it instead? It is, after all, such an important matter. So I decided to record an episode this week. What you will not find in this episode, however, are some elements of silliness that I like to include occasionally. And I will not promote any of my social media outlets at the end of the episode. So let us look into what happened, why it is suddenly such a big deal, and how people are responding on social media. So for today, we need to focus on two key aspects that are not at all nice. One of them is police violence and the other one is racism. But first, let us take a look into the events that were the drop of water to make the barrel overflow. I'm not sure if you use that saying in English, but we do in German. So this happened on Monday, May 25th in the city of Minneapolis. 46-year-old George Floyd goes to a shop to buy some cigarettes. The shop owners notice that the $20 bill he used to pay was counterfeit and they demand the cigarettes back at his car, which Floyd refused to do. In response, the shop owners called the police, stating that Floyd was drunk and out of control. And the police arrive soon, first one car and then two other cars later. They arrest and handcuff Floyd. He does complain, but not physically resist. He does not appear to be drunk and out of control, but that is the assumption of the police officers. They take him to the police car, which he refuses to enter, so they force him to the ground. And in that moment, the other cars arrive. In total, there are four police officers forcing this defenseless man to the ground. One of the police officers is keeping him down by forcing his knee on Floyd's neck, using his own body weight to keep Floyd down. Although Floyd complains many times that he cannot breathe and he is crying for his mom, the police officer will not let him go. Although there are people filming this and telling the police officer that they are killing Floyd, that he can't breathe, that he is going unconscious, they will not let go. The police officer kept his knee on Floyd's neck for a total of over eight minutes and he only lets go when the ambulance arrived and the paramedics told him to let go. By that moment, it is too late for Floyd. Dear rabbits, I did not want to look at this footage. I don't like to watch anything like this. But in order to prepare for this episode, I watched it. I had seen pictures previously, sure, but seeing the videos, it really brought tears in my eyes. I had to cry when I watched this. 
too hard to watch. But let us take a look at these events from all different angles. Why did this case suddenly make the whole thing become so big? First of all, let us state the obvious. Nowadays there are cameras everywhere. Each of the two stores at the scene had security cameras. And all the bystanders were carrying their cell phones. Today we all carry a high definition video and photo camera in our pockets. And thankfully, the people who were present did not just stand there watching. They tried to intervene. And they filmed the whole thing. And they shared it on social media. And this is what's new. This time the policemen could not get away with their violent acts unnoticed. It was all filmed and made public. With a clear view at their faces. This time there will not be another version. Ten years ago probably there would not have been any footage. And at the court hearing the officers would make up a story. How Floyd was violent and threatening them. And how they acted in self-defense. But not this time. It's all on video from multiple angles. We can all see who acted aggressively and in what way. So to sum it up, this is one reason why the whole story has become so big. The social media landscape and the fact that everyone has a camera in their pockets contributed to this story spreading so fast across country borders. Okay, here's the thing with police violence. It is a real problem in the USA. In the lights of recent events, the CNBC published some infographics about the matter. And in there we can see that in 2019, the police killed three people per day through violent acts. On average, three per day, every day. Only 27 days of the whole year 2019 registered not a single event. So just like mass shootings in schools or other public places, police violence resulting in deaths is a common everyday issue. And then there's another graph that really makes me want to throw up. In the time from 2013 to 2019, counting all the acts involving police violence, guess how many percent walked away without being charged? What do you think? 30%? Maybe 50%? No. 99%. Only 1% even got charged. And out of this 1%, three quarters of the officers were charged and one quarter was convicted. This means that it's almost certain that police officers will walk away after using violence. They get away so easily with it. And yes, I understand that in their line of work, they need to carry a weapon and they need to be trained to use it. But in cases such as George Floyd, there was no reason at all to respond in the way the officers did. Yet, the chances are that the US law will protect the policeman. Don't think so? Well, the officer who put his knee on Floyd's neck already had a total of 17 official complaints reported against him. And he was involved in three police shootings, one of them fatal. All this as reported by the New York Times. Let us take a closer look at how Floyd got killed. The practice of forcing a suspect down by pressing the knee on his neck. It is banned from most of the police stations across the USA. Because the police know about the possible danger. Yet this officer chose to do it anyway. 
And people in social media have been very quick to notice this similarity of this practice to a gesture that has also caused controversy. Dear rabbits, let us take a quick look at American football. Who of you remembers Colin Kaepernick? I do. He was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And he's currently looking for a team to hire him. One particular kind of play for a quarterback is to simply take a knee. By doing this, the play ends. Because the player who carries the ball touches the ground with his knee. This play is often called when the game is won already and the team is just trying to kill the last minutes on the game clock without risk of losing the ball. For the audience this means they don't get to see a play anymore because the quarterback literally gets the ball and surrenders. Well, Colin Kaepernick was the first to use this same gesture as a protest. You see, before each game it is a tradition to proudly sing the US national anthem. Everyone in the stadium will stand up, put the right hand on their heart, and sing the national anthem. In the last preseason game on September 1st, 2016, Kaepernick opted to not stand up, but to take a knee as a sign of protest. What was he protesting against? Let's quote him. I'm not looking for approval. I have to stand up for people that are oppressed. Today, many people think this is a protest against President Trump. But you heard what Kaepernick said. It was about people that are oppressed. Actually, at the time of the first protest, the president was still Obama. And he actually respected Kaepernick's position. Quote Obama, I'd rather have young people who are engaged in the argument and trying to think through how they can be part of our democratic process than people who are sitting on the sidelines not paying attention at all. According to Obama, the player was just practicing a constitutional right. And soon other players followed and it became a gesture of silent protest against oppression and police violence that professional athletes would take a knee during the national anthem, not just in football. Well, we all know that the US got a new president and here's how Trump thinks about it. Quote Trump, you have to stand proudly for the national anthem or you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country. Now, the NFL will find a team whose players take a knee, and this practice has mainly disappeared. But it is written down in history. So people are seeing the connection here. This gesture was originally intended to protest against police violence. And in the Floyd case, this is exactly what the police officer used to kill Floyd. By the way, you may have noticed I'm not mentioning the police officer's name. Well, the name is out there, but I decided not to mention it on the podcast. The person to be remembered here is George Floyd, not his killer. Okay, so there's this connection to the gesture of protest and the fact that it is filmed and shared on social media, which helped the whole fire to spread so fast. And there is another factor, which is thanks to COVID-19. We are all at home. We have much more time to check our social media so we are probably paying more attention to the news and to social media. And this time, there was just no escape from it. So all around the world, everyone learned about the George Floyd case. And here is a connection to episode 11, where I talked a little bit about the marches of women for their rights that happened here in Mexico in March earlier this year. The same is happening now with the Black Lives Matter movement. 
people have had enough. And they're not going to take it anymore. They've been traumatized for way too long. And they are not letting go of this anymore. They do not feel heard. They do not feel respected. And that's why there are protests all over the US now. And in cases, yes, things are getting out of control. And in my humble opinion, Trump is not looking good at all by demanding to use violence against the protesters if necessary. At this point, I also want to self-correct. Back in the past, I have made the statement about women's rights as well as black lives, that things have become better, but that we still have a long way to go. And yes, Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King have probably helped. But I don't know. Maybe I need to admit that I was a bit wrong that about things being better. Looking at things, they're clearly not better. This is still a huge problem that has never gone away. But why does the US have such a problem with police violence? Why not other developed countries, such as, for example, Germany, France, or Sweden? Well, apparently, it is way too easy to get into the police in the United States. All you need there is a high school degree and go to police school for a few months and learn how to use a weapon. And after nine months of police academy, anyone can be a policeman. There are not enough filters in other countries it takes a college degree and years of training and psychological checks. So there are probably too many unfit people with a police uniform in the US because it is too easy. There are not enough filters. On the other hand, once they are in the police, it is very difficult to get them out or even processed for acting violently. Just look at Floyd's killer. After 17 official complaints against him, he was still out there in the field. And 99% of all police aggressions do not lead to any consequences for them. So it's too easy to get in and too difficult to get them out. And most of these aggressions are not against people who have the privilege of having a white skin. Racism is still a thing. And it happens everywhere. Not only in the US. Not only to black people. There's also discrimination against Latinos or against Arabs. How many times have Arab people been checked as, as suspects before getting on an airplane just because of the way they look, quote, suspicious? I don't remember this happening to white people just because of the way they look. And these things have happened over the history in other places, famously. Just look into apartheid in South Africa or the whole Nazi ideology in Germany. And yes, that has improved a lot over the years, but there are still people trying to bring this nonsense back. But more about that in a soon-to-come episode. What about Mexico, where I live now? Lots of people here are now shouting out loud against racism. But it's not like there's no racism here. Even here, people seem to prefer white skin and blue eyes. At least that's the impression you can get when people see a baby with those traits. Oh, look how beautiful! Look at the white skin. Oh, he's so blonde. And look at the color of her eyes. And you don't get that with darker skin. And there is the case of an actress, Yalitza Aparicio. She has indigenous roots and used to work as a teacher in a humble school district before she got casted for the successful Netflix movie, Roma. And many people here in Mexico did not like that and made fun of her appearance. So yes, there's also a problem with racism here. It just has different facets. 
as well as sexism and classism. All those isms are problems and people are fed up with it and finally raising their voices and marching. So what's going on in social media? Just this week, there was this tendency to post a completely black picture, especially on Instagram. Many people added the two hashtags, Black Lives Matter and Blackout Tuesday. I must admit, I also posted this picture, but without the hashtags. Soon, people were criticizing the use of the hashtag Black Lives Matter because people would spam it with those blacked out pictures, making it almost impossible to use this hashtag to find real news related to the subject matter. And by doing this, people would unwillingly be helping the oppressors. It's probably a good point. Another good point, of course, is by just posting this picture, you are not really doing anything. But I think at least you're taking a stand. People are showing their side. But of course, other than that, posting a picture will not change anything. But what will then? What is in our hands? Well, it all starts with the education in our houses, with our kids. You see, kids don't make a difference. They will play with any other kid, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their color of skin. Not until an adult will start teaching them not to. So there is a lot of power in our hands to make long-term change, to raise a generation of people that are inclusive. But this, of course, will take time and not solve the problems immediately. So what else can be done? Well, we can do exactly what some bystanders did in the George Floyd case. When we see these things happening, to stand up, to question the oppressors, and to use our cell phones and film them. As I said earlier, they should not get away this easily anymore just by changing the narrative. It's all on camera. And what else can we do? Vote. Whenever there is an election, go there and vote. Inform yourself about the candidates first and then place your vote wisely. In the US, the presidential election is coming this November. So go vote. Don't think this guy will never make it to office because so many people will vote against him. So your vote doesn't really make a difference. Yes, it does. Every vote matters. So don't stay at home and rely on other people. If you don't vote, you will not get hurt. If you don't vote, you are helping the other side. And also vote when there are state elections or even just for the mayor. Always inform yourself and vote. And when there is an urgent issue, call your representative or write them. They cannot ignore their citizens. Okay, and last, be careful what you believe and share on social media. It is so easy to fall into a trap. Just two days ago, I received a video on social media, on Facebook, of a black man who was arrested by two policemen and their supervisor. And according to the captions on the video, this man was an undercover FBI agent. And it all looked so believable. Good thing I later went to fact-checking sites. Snopes to the rescue. Once again. The video itself is legit. It is not staged. But it turns out it's already a year old and it has been miscaptioned. So this has not recently happened. Yes, it is another case of a black man getting arrested without any suspicions. But there seems to be no connection to the FBI. So always be careful when somebody puts captions on a video. See if that video is older. In the following days and weeks, a lot of things about all this will be published. 
always raise your skeptical eyebrow. Go to fact-checking sites or Google some names yourself. Spend those five minutes to go and think, wait, what? Before you share anything on social media that then turns out to be fake. Don't contribute to misinformation. And take a look at how you speak about people that don't look like you. Examine your own language. Often there can be a comment. Even though it's not meant to be racist, sexist, or a classicist, it can come across as exactly that. We are all one human race. We are all brothers and sisters. It does not matter if someone has another tone of skin or shape of eyes or nose. We should all treat each other with respect. One more thing. Some people now are outraged about the use of all lives matter as a response to black lives matter. Well, yes, all lives matter, of course. Also white lives. But right now, the ones that are threatened are black lives. So let's refrain from answering back in such a way. Yes, they all matter, but right now it's about black lives. They are the ones who always have to fear to be attacked for no reason. But instead of arguing which hashtag to use and which one not to use, we should all stand together and make sure that oppressors and their supporters get out of office and get out of those uniforms and not back in there anymore. Make sure that those in office understand basic principles of science and gender equality and the problems of racism. There is a lot we can do to make this better. Only not doing anything would be wrong. Let me close with one piece of good news. In the German Bundesliga, several players decided to wear a shirt with a message for George Floyd or they took a knee after scoring a goal. And the league originally was going to look into suspending those players because according to the tournament rules, political messages are not allowed. And this was getting a lot of uh, outrage already. But literally at this moment, I've been seeing the news that the DFL, the German Football League, for the letters in German, communicated that there will be no punishments for those players who took a stand for George Floyd and that there won't be in the future. Well, there's a little bit of good news to end this episode on a small positive note. Good for you, German Football League. Well, my dear rabbits, this brings us to the end of today's episode. A very serious one. I hope we can all be part of a change for the better. Take good care. We'll talk to you next week.